This is 101 with A-Ray. Real life, real stories, real people. Let's get it. Hey guys, this is Brittany Beats. And I just want to thank you guys for tuning in and let you guys know that every single track you hear on this show was made by yours truly. Hope you guys enjoy. Take it away, A-Ray. Hey, yo, say ready, kid, man. We're back with another one, and this is the last one for season two. I want to say thank you all for listening and rocking with your boy this season. We've been through a lot of changes. We went from A-Ray and J-Ray today to just one-on-one with A-Ray. Shout out to J-Ray. She will be back season three on the, uh, on the episode. But this season, if you guys have been following along, has been all about Motherhood Diaries and I wanted, you know, as we were going through this season, um, there was a name they kept getting brought up, and it was Jennifer Jade. So, like, I'm trying to put all the pieces together, and I finally figured out, like, okay, so Jennifer Jade is that that common link. So today we have the one and only Jennifer Jade on the mic with us. What up, Jen? Hey, thanks so much for having me here, A Ray. Yeah, man. Um, thank you so much for your time. I know, like. Everybody, part of season two has been super busy. And I just want to say it is so amazing to record with someone on the same time or time zone as me, um, because that was so confusing. Um, yeah. There was so like I missed so many interview like deadlines and or dates rather because the, I was just confused about time. So oh, no. I want to say it's amazing that we're on the same time, yeah. the same time zone for sure. How are you doing? You're doing good today? I'm- Doing great. Ups and downs like everybody, but mostly up. So that's good. Man, that's what's up, man. That's yeah. good to hear. That is good to hear. Um, so um, like I said, like this season has really, you know, you've been the common link. And I don't want to really waste any time getting into mm-hmm. this. Um, so Jen, give us the Jennifer Jade story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm happy to share. Um, I'll try to just stick to the points that would be helpful and relevant. Um, hey, do your, hey, do, do your thing. Okay. Your thing. All right. Take, take over right now. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I do love to share this story just in case it resonates with anyone listening. Um, because I grew up, um, I say humble beginnings, you know, but I think, you know, there's a range of that, but my range was, um, single mom. We lived in a basement suite and, uh, not so great area of town. I'm actually from Canada. I'm Canadian living in San Diego right now. Well, okay. So we up in Canada. So that, that is, that is so awesome. So, all right, real quick, real quick, real quick. Yeah. I'll let you get back to the story. So Soraya talked about, I've asked different people from Canada about living under the queen and all that. Is there really, <laughs> and you live in America now. So like, is there really a, is there, is it a huge difference? Cause some no. people are like, nah, it's, yeah, that's what everybody says. No difference. Even, okay. That's no. what everyone says. We have I the queen say. on our currency and that's about as far as it goes. That's it. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I, just, I just had to ask. I just had to ask. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. That's funny. Um, so yeah, we, we, uh, we had our own struggles, uh, my mom in particular and, um, financial and otherwise. And, and so I just remember thinking really, really young that, um, there wasn't going to really be anything handed to me and I really needed to go out there and get what I wanted and, um, create it for myself and, and get after it. So I remember being very ambitious, very, very young. So it started with lemonade stands, which turned into Kool-Aid stands. 
Then I hired my daycare friend to help me make custom made greeting cards and we sold those and, and I wanted a paper route, but I was too young. So as soon as I was old enough, I had two paper routes and so on and so on. And this drive went all the way through school. I tried to maintain really great grades um, as well as play on all the soccer teams, the high school team, the house team, the rep team, and work 24 hours a week at the local movie theater. And I was really frustrated with myself that by 16 years old, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life because um, I just... I didn't know it at that time, A-Ray, but I was really driven by fear. You know, I, I, you could call it ambition, you can call it drive, and it was, but I wasn't driven by inspiration at that time. I was driven by a fear of lack, mm. and I didn't want to um, struggle the way I had witnessed with my mom, and I didn't want to have the, the panic attacks and anxiety that I had witnessed her have, you know, right. when I was really little. So I was running, 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 running. And I didn't even know at the time when I was in high school where my drive came from or, you know, why I was so passionate and why I put all that pressure on myself because it wasn't coming from anywhere else. No parent in my life was shoving, you know, this idea that I had to get good grades down my throat or that I had to be successful. No one else was putting that pressure on me, right. but me. And I remember thinking for one moment in high school, why am I doing this to myself? And then I was like, I don't know. And I just kept going. And um, so very frustrated at 16 because I don't know what prerequisites to take for college or university for grade 11 or 12. Um, I don't know what colleges or universities to apply to, what program to apply to. Like, all my friends were like, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to be a nurse. I'm going to be a firefighter. I'm going to be a police officer. Right. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to be. I don't really want to be any of those things. And finally, when I was in grade 12, a speaker came into our classroom at a life skills class. And a speaker came in and she said, if you never had to worry about time or money for the rest of your life, how would you be spending your days? Mm. And I knew right without even thinking, I just had this light bulb moment. Oh my goodness. I would be taking pictures. I'd be a photographer. I'd be traveling the world, taking photos. That was my favorite thing to do since I was eight years old, right. play with cameras, take photos. This was film back in the day. I loved video and still, and then, and then I thought, oh my goodness, that's it. I'm going to be a photographer. Oh my gosh, I finally know what I'm going to do with my life. I was so excited. I went home. I started looking at the colleges you would go to to learn how to become a photographer. I didn't know what you're supposed to do to become a photographer. So I was looking at the Art Institute of Seattle. I was like, okay, how can I apply? What are their pre I was just so happy to finally have this sense of direction and right, right. somewhere to pour my drive and my ambition and the next day I was sitting in an entrepreneurship class in uh, grade 12. And I say to one of my friends, guess what? You know, I'm whispering to him while the teacher's talking at the front of the class. I'm like, guess what? I know what I'm going to be. I know what I'm going to do. And he's like, what? And I said, I am going to be a photographer. I am going to travel the world. And I'm going to take photos. And he just kind of goes, oh, well, have fun being broke for the rest of your life. And I was just like, oh, just like someone took a pin right to my balloon and just burst it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, yeah, the whole starving artist thing, right? Like that whole, 
idea that if you're an artist, you're probably going to be broke unless you're one of the very small percentage that gets somewhere. And I thought, oh man, and all my flooded memories back to my mom and and struggle and anxiety and panic and how am I going to pay the rent? And I'm like, oh, that's just not, not what I want for my life. And And so I was totally defeated and deflated, which I take responsibility for, you know, and um, I just stumbled my way into finance. I went to and traveled a little bit after we graduated high school, went and lived in London, England for a little while, met the queen. Just joking. I didn't. (laughs) I was about to have so many more questions. I know. <laughs> no, I didn't. I went and saw the palace. Like I just looked at the palace from the gates and saw the guards and stuff. But right. okay, anyway, okay. Um, yeah. did that and then came home and just kind of honestly stumbled into finance. I got a job as a uh, receptionist, you know, a front office type person at a finance um, company, and then I just kind of worked my way up from there. Got the education I needed, the sort of certificates and whatever. I eventually became a mortgage broker. Two weeks before my twenty second birthday, I was a hundred percent commissioned uh, mortgage broker. Yeah, so I had no up. base salary, no minimum wage, no benefits, no nothing. I was a hundred percent responsible okay. for creating my own clients, my own income, everything. Gotcha. I was petrified because I didn't know what I was doing. I felt like I was a 21, 22 year old girl in a middle-aged man's world. Right. And, uh, it was very intimidating, but, um, again, you know, I was just hustling and I was grinding and I was working hard and I was going to make it work and I was going to make it happen. And, and by the time I was 25, I'm, I'm, I am getting to the finish. Right. Hey, take your time. Take your time. Take your time. <laughs> by the time I was 25, I had checked off pretty much all of the main boxes that I thought I needed to check off in order to be happy. I had really raced to the finish line. And by the time I was 25, I had already a condo, which I then refinanced to purchase a house. So now I had a house. I was married to a great man. I'm still married to Um, fur baby, convertible little car, sports car. Um, And the money was starting to increase. And I thought, okay, I've arrived, you know, here I've done it. I've, I've done, I've got all the things, the husband, the car, the house, the career. Okay. You know, like finally I can kick my feet up and I can relax and I can be free from worry and free from dread and all the things that I've been running so hard from my whole life. I did it. Now here I am to reap my benefits and just relax and enjoy the rest of my life. That's not what happened. Uh, it didn't matter how much my income started to increase. I started getting um, less and less and less happy, and I didn't know mm. what was happening. I thought this was everything that I needed to feel happy, to feel safe, to feel secure, to feel successful. And it didn't matter what I had accomplished. It didn't matter what my income was doing, I, at the end of the night, when I put my head on my pillow, felt like something was missing, Mm. something very big, something that money was not filling. Got you. Yeah, yeah. And so this was very disheartening (laughs) because I just spent my entire life, it wasn't very long up until that point, but, you know, almost three decades busting my butt, you know, right, and, right. and trying to get all the grades and the job and the career and all this stuff. And it was, it didn't, um, 
the finish line, if we could call it that, was um, underwhelming. It wasn't what mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be. Right. And I was lost. I didn't know, well, if this isn't it, then what is? And what have I done wrong? And what's wrong with me that I'm not happy with all that I have? I have a lot of blessings in my life. So what is wrong with me that this isn't enough or this isn't feeling good? Right. Um, and I was grateful. It's funny because I was grateful and I did recognize my blessings, but at the same time, I just couldn't fight this feeling that something was missing. Missing, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so um, around this time, um, around this time, I got a phone call. So now I'm sort of having all those realizations I just shared with you about my life. Right. I'm starting to see this groundhog week I keep living, this groundhog year I keep living. And I'm like, I'm going to have a groundhog decade and another, like till I'm 65, is this my life? You know, like, is right. this really how I'm going to spend the rest of my life? And this was stirring in my mind when I received a phone call that uh, a family member of mine, um, he was technically my uncle, but he wasn't that much older than me. So he was more kind of, to me, a big brother. I don't have any older siblings. So he was like my kind of big brother. He taught me how to fish and took me camping, him and my aunt, and yeah, right. took me gold panning and all these crazy adventures and boating and whatever. I was kind of like their surrogate little sister or child until they had kids of their own. We have a lot of great memories together. I got a phone call from my mom. This is the first and only time I've dropped to my knees. Um, she told me that he was diagnosed with a terminal illness hmm. and that he would be lucky to see another year. And I thought, oh, my gosh, like I just I I had lost grandparents before. And that's very sad in its own way. But I hadn't had a first front row seat to right. someone, you know, we would say that their time is cut short, you know, right. like, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, that rocked my world. And it just so happened that towards the end of his life, it happened to be me that was spending the majority of the time with him right. because I was a, an independent contractor, which means I, I didn't have set hours because I was hundred percent responsible for my own income. I also had the flexibility to leave the office right. and I was the only one in the family that had that kind of flexibility. So I was with him in his final weeks and, uh, they weren't pretty and it was a life altering experience to say the least. So when he passed away, um, it was the greatest devastation of my life, but it was also the greatest blessing of my life because eventually, um, once, you know, we kind of get through the grieving fog process, um, I realized that I hadn't been living. I realized that I had been existing. I realized that I was going through the motions, uh, maybe faster than a lot of people, but still yeah. I was doing all the shoulds. I was doing what I thought I should do. I thought I was doing what everyone else does and, and trying to be good at it, but I wasn't living. I was, um, I, I was moving out of fear and not actually, you know, um, doing what my heart and my soul really wanted to do. So yeah. with that, I decided that, um, I was going to 
take a chance on my childhood dream of photography. Oh, yeah. And I did. So I started working with mentors. Uh, I started working, uh, shadowing other photographers. I started seeking out the top wedding photographers in the world because I really was drawn to destination wedding photography. I thought, what could be better than photographing beautiful couples on one of the most special days they'll ever share in beautiful locations around the world? Like that would be the absolute dream come true to me. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't want to get to my deathbed not knowing what could have been. So I remembered what I said to myself in grade 12. And I said, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to be successful at this. And I very well, I, I very well may become a, a starving artist. But if that's the case, I don't have to live the rest of my life like that. I'll go back to my desk job. I'll go back. I'll do whatever I have to do to survive. But I need to find out what's possible. I would rather try and even fail at doing something I love and then have to go back to my day job than to live the rest of my life in my day job, never knowing what could have been if only I had tried. So I just connected with as many teachers, mentors, photographers, whoever I could over the span of 18 months. And then I left, I left finance and I became a full-time destination wedding photographer and I, I was able to hit the ground running thanks to working with amazing teachers and mentors. My business, uh, you know, wound up being successful. I started winning awards. I was being flown to weddings. Well, Vancouver Island is a very beautiful destination in itself. So I shot a lot of weddings on Vancouver Island where I'm from, okay, but yeah. also Hawaii, Australia, Europe, Caribbean. Amazing. I started being published in magazines. And it was really, really great. Um, it was really, really great until I got that familiar tap on the shoulder that something was still right. missing. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I come from a small town where the mentality is, you know, you pick a career and you stay with that till you're 65. Right. So this whole idea of me switching careers was strange to me and strange to a lot of people in the bubble, you know, that I was raised in. So for me to even consider changing again was hard. It it was not, it was like, Oh, why am I doing this? Why can't I just pick something and stick with it? Why am I being such a flake? Why am I getting to a certain level of success and then having to start something else from scratch? Am I self-sabotaging and so on and so on. I made myself wrong for how I was feeling instead of investigating where this nudge was trying to take me next. What I discovered, what was missing was this sense of fulfillment. That's what was missing all along, a sense of fulfillment. I didn't get that from doing mortgages. I didn't have a fulfilling feeling from doing mortgages. Photography was a leap forward, uh, more meaningful to me than mortgages and more exciting and exhilarating and passionate but it didn't have the impact in people's lives that I was now discovering I was craving to have. Right. Um, and so that was the journey to get to where we are today. <laughs> yeah, wow. That's what's up, man. So, um, okay, where you are today. So what, what is it that I'm kind of getting off track from the, the yep. questions, but what is it that you do today? So today I am a speaker, author, and coach 
for people who feel unfulfilled and who want to uncover their purpose and live their purpose full time. And to me, your purpose in general terms, to me, your purpose is joy, living a life that truly sparks something deep within your heart and your soul, something deeper than money and surface material things that can't buy. Um, So I believe we are all worthy of an abundant life. So that's, that's, I'm not saying that that's bad or not good, but that's great. I wish that for everybody and for myself, but, um, I don't lead with anymore. Like I was when I was going after finance and things, I don't lead with, Oh, I need to make a lot of money so I can feel good and safe and secure and, and not be fearful about having anxiety and struggle and panic. It's now, what would bring my soul the most joy Mm. to be doing, just be spending my life to be helping others with. And then as a result, that could create abundance for you, depending on, you know, what you choose and and where you want to take it. But so leading with your joy, your purpose, what sparks something in your soul that for me, you know, success, good grades, house, car, all that stuff couldn't, couldn't fulfill. Right. Got you. Got you. So, you know, one of the things with um, this season, a lot of the ladies talked about um, um, that they knew Soraya, which um, I'm guessing this is how you know Soraya as well through your program, the the Awakener. Yeah. So the Awakener certification. So I uh, that is my signature program. It's called the Awakener certification, and it literally is designed to help people uncover their purpose And if they feel called to support others um, in living that full time. So what my clients tend to do is use their life experience, their life wisdom, the things they've learned, the lessons they've learned, um, things that they've overcome in their life, and then turn around and, you know, reach a hand back to someone who's currently struggling with that right now or who is a half a step or more behind them. And that to them is a very fulfilling feeling, um, joyful, soul aligned feeling. So in fact, I believe all 10 of the authors in um, the motherhood diaries have either been in my awakener certification or were in my monthly membership called leaders of light. So Soraya is such a beautiful soul and shout out to Soraya and all of the motherhood diaries authors. All are beautiful souls. Um, Soraya from the first moment she reached out to me on Instagram, she just had this poetic way of communicating, you know, this beautiful way of expressing herself and was just so authentic and soulful and, just meaningful. And I thought, Oh my gosh, who is this woman? You know? And I said to him like, you need to write. Have you ever had the desire to write? She's like, Oh my gosh, I've been wanting to write for so long. And so she reached out to some of the other women in the awakener certification and cause she's in both awakeners and leaders of light and, uh, created that beautiful creation motherhood diaries. Wow. Isn't it, isn't that awesome? Yeah. Man, it's so big. So, hey, matter of fact, while we're on it, so Haley, so it's so crazy. And this is, um, and this is kind of leading up to another question too, as well. But, um, like a lot of people that I, I'm working with these days, you have impacted them. Um, you know, especially my, my, my little sister. Well, she's really the big homie, but I'm older than her by a month. So, um, <laughs> my, my big homie, little sister, Haley Marie Hoover. Yeah, um, I love so Haley. I do too. Isn't she awesome? The sparkling. Yes. Um, 
So, um, I, I don't know. I just think it's so cool that like, you know, that these ladies have all gone through you or whatever. Uh, and, and you have impact and you've impacted so many people. So, and you've influenced them as well. Um, so my question now is who has influenced you? Yeah. Um, so many people, but I'll, I'll share the ones that really stand out. Um, of course my, I mean, maybe a lot of people say this, but uh, my mom has been a very key teacher in my life, you know, whether it was witnessing her struggles, witnessing her move through her struggles, overcome them, um, witnessing her have courage to step into things that she was afraid to do and didn't know if they were going to turn out or not. Um, she has been terrified and done great things anyway. And that really taught me to, to be terrified and do great things anyway, you know, even when you're not sure how it's going to turn out or if it's going to turn out. So that, um, I have many great people in my life, but you know, who really, if I could sit with this person and have a conversation, uh, I can't now because he's passed away, but, um, he is, he's a really, uh, he is famous for those people that are in kind of his genre author and speaker named, um, Dr. Wayne Dyer. And some, in some circles, he's known as the father of motivation. And I've read a lot of his books. My favorite is called inspiration. Um, and one of his key teachings that really stood out to me was that he wanted to learn how to be more godlike, um, and to him, that meant um, showing unconditional love, right. showing forgiveness, compassion, taking care of each other. Um, he said, sometimes we, we can either be in a state of mind of what's in it for me or how may I serve? Mm. And that's a really key component to what I teach all of my, my clients, my students, my soul family, I call them, um, that people can tell, especially if you're in business or you're, you know, wanting to invite people to work with you, they can tell if you're an ener in an energy of what's in it for me. I want to make this sale. I want to convince this person to work with me. I really need this money. I really need blah, 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 blah. Right. Or are you in a state of how may I serve? How may I serve? How may I serve? This is, this is how I feel called to show up in the world. This is who I feel called to support. Now, how can I reach out and help these people and, and be in that state and have that focus, especially in the times when you are connecting with someone you might be potentially inviting to work with you or enjoying your programs or your offerings or whatever they are, even if they're not business related. You, you may not be able to be in that state all the time. It's totally normal and natural to be a human being who's worried about your bills, worried about your debt, worried about whatever. Maybe you've invested a lot of money to, to, to get that degree or hire that coach or go on that program. And now you want to hurry up and make that money back. Um, and so it's natural and human to have those concerns and those thoughts. But what I really teach and that I learned from Dr. Wayne Dyer is in the moments that you really want to soulfully connect with someone, 
shift your focus back to how may I serve? How may I serve? How may I serve? Mm. And I ask myself, how can I be more godlike? And and even the prayer we did before this mm. um, interview, you said, you know, asking God to speak through me. That's exactly what I asked for. But moments before we did that together, I did it by myself while I was waiting for the the Zoom link. Um, Which I didn't send at five twenty one. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. You told me, and I was like, "Where?" <laughs> but, um, but, but just to be that faucet, you know, like, like God is the water, and I am the faucet, and I'm just uh, doing my best to to share that as much as I can. I love that. Yeah. Wow. That. Oh, wow. That's so awesome. Um, yo. So, you know, another thing with season two has been about writing as well. Um, for some ladies, writing was was something they did. Um, for some, writing was like I think uh, Nishma was just on the, uh, the yesterday, and she straight up yes. <laughs> I love how she put it. She said, "I don't. I'm not good at writing." And um, so, but anyway, she just she just does it, and um, she's working on some awesome projects and things like that. But you also have a a book called the uh, the Awakening, and it's a guide to spiritually awaken your highest self. Um, so my question is, so when did you start writing and why did you start writing? Or yeah. Was, and is that, I guess, threefold question, I'm sorry, is that was writing something you've always kind of like, yeah, one day I'm going to do that? Or was it something that just came out of nowhere? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, without ever naming it, same with photography, I enjoyed writing and, and it was never because one day I'm going to be a writer. And when I was playing with a camera as a kid, it wasn't because one day I'm going to be a photographer. I had no idea. It was just for fun. So I liked English class in high school. I liked creative writing. It was easy for me. I would just let my imagination go and I would just write it down. It w- wasn't hard for me. Um, I did start writing a novel when I like a fiction novel when I was just graduated high school and I was just a little hobby to pass the time. Just a little hobby. Yeah. Just didn't, <laughs> didn't finish it though. Didn't gotcha. finish it. Um, gotcha. I, I still like the premise of it, but um, yeah, I, I, I chose not to finish it anyways. Um, there was this to answer. Yes. There was a kind of like a little feeling in the back of my mind that one day I would write a book and I didn't know would maybe it, when I was younger, I thought it was fiction. As I got to move more into the work I do now, I thought, Oh, it's going to be nonfiction and it's going to uh, help people similar to the ones I'm already supporting, but, you know, hopefully reach a, a broader audience, be more accessible with, you know, um, a nice little 15, $20 book. And, um, but I never rushed it. I never forced it. I I didn't put any pressure on myself until the time came when I was like, Oh, okay, now it's time. Now I'm feeling like it's time to start writing. Um, so yes, I enjoyed it. I waited till the call was really loud before I started. I dipped my toe in with a co-authorship book, which is, you know, similar idea to the motherhood diaries. Um, so I just wanted to know what it was like to write one chapter, see how hard that was for me, see what the process was like, you know, the editing and the proofreading and, and cover design and all that stuff. And I loved it. I loved it. I, my chapter I wrote in, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes. Um, and I loved it. I'm like, oh, I could totally do a whole book. So yeah. that book was called Dear Limits, Get Out of My Way. That was the co-author book. And then with that same publisher, I decided to, to go ahead and write The Awakening. And The Awakening, 
Um, although it's for anyone who needs it and that's, you know, that's who it's for the people that I had in mind that really kept me going when I was getting filled with self-doubt for my own head. My head was trying to tell me, Jen, why are you writing this? No one's going to care. No one's going to buy it. No one's going to read this. You're not saying anything that's not been said before. This is taking you so long. Why are you putting so much time in this? The only people who are going to buy it are your mom and your sisters, and, and they already know all this stuff, and you could just tell them directly, and oh, man. So, so that was my mind chatter, my inner bully. Mm -hmm. And what kept me going beyond that was the fact that I have five younger siblings. I don't have any children at this time, but I have five younger siblings that are way younger than me, like between 10 and 17 years younger than I am. Gotcha. And what's in the awakening is everything that I would hope for them to know and to learn and to understand for their life that maybe I couldn't tell my brother that's still in high school and have him really understand what that means or even care about those things at this time. But you thought, I thought, you know what, if something ever were to happen to me and I wasn't here anymore for my siblings, this is what I would want for them to know. Wow. And that's what's in the awakening. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm about to, um, I'm about to order that, man. So, oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. So, okay. Let's go. Let's, this is a question. I didn't even really want to like, I was like, I, I'm asking this question because, you know, um, you know, like failure, like I think a lot, especially with 2020, what a year, right? Yeah. Um, so I think some people viewed it as a failure and some people viewed it as like, yo, I'm going to take this challenge. This is a different type of vibe. It's a different type of year. So I'm going to take it. I'm going to run with it. Um, but for you, um, what has what has been your biggest failure in the last year? And mm -hmm. um, why do you think that happened? Yeah. Okay. That's So that question, I it stumped me. Not because I have never failed uh, or, or don't have any failures, but because it's, it's not a view that I typically have with my life and my life experiences. Yeah, yeah. So with, um, with photography, this is where I, this is where I kind of switched it up with the whole idea of failure. When I was leaving mortgages to become a photographer, I was so petrified that I was going to fail. I was like, Oh God, like, please don't let me fail at this, that I have to go back to being in finance and sitting in an office. And there's nothing wrong with that career. It just wasn't obviously my fulfilling right. place to be. Right, right. And the, this kind of calm came to me, this energy said um, that the only way I would fail was if I, I mean, I don't even know that I would call this failure, but if, if I chose to stop trying but even then, is it a failure or is it, to me, that's a choice. Right. Um, and so I thought, um, the only way I'm going to fail is if I stop trying. And so I'm just, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep going until I am successful. Right. And it was almost like I took failure off the table gotcha. and I just decided however long it takes, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. And if I needed to get a side job to support me in the meantime, if things weren't picking up fast enough or whatever, then I would do that. I would cross that bridge when it came. I would know what to do at that time, but I wasn't going to stress about it right now. I wasn't going to worry about future what ifs because that's just draining my energy and my focus. So I'm just going to keep going until. 
So then I, I've really kind of stopped thinking about success and failure um, at all. I took it off the table. I'm just going to keep going until. Um, and the way that I look at things now, because I do want to answer your question about the last year, I truly believe that everything is always working out for me, no matter what that looks like at mm. the moment. Yeah, yeah. So I believe everything is happening for me and not to me. Mm. So if something happens that, oh, that's not what I wanted, or that's not how I wanted that to go, or, oh, I didn't see that coming. I wouldn't, for me, I don't put the label failure on it. I think, okay, I'm being redirected. My steps are being redirected. I'm being guided somewhere else. There's yeah. something else that's better for me. This is trying to teach me something. This is trying to show me something. Right. This is trying to strengthen me in some way or prepare me for what's coming next that maybe I'm just not clear yet on. So that's that's how I look at challenge or struggle or things that aren't going the way that I'd hoped. But I do want to answer your question because I don't want it to seem like I'm dancing around. No, no, nah, but you're, hey, you were preaching right there. I was like, God, <laughs> So yeah, that's what's up. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So I would say in the last year, you know, um, it would be more of a personal thing where I was really being shown how I still have room to not take things as personal as I have been. Um, something that I have been working on, a concept that I first came across in the book, The Four Agreements. And I think that's by Don Miguel Ruiz. I hope I'm not misputting the author on that, but it's called The Four Agreements. And one of the four agreements is never take anything personal. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what? When I first read that, I'm like, how are you not supposed to ever take anything personal? Like, even if it's directed at you and even intended to be mean, you're not supposed to take that personal. I thought, what? Yeah. What is that? Like, how? And so I've been contemplating it ever since. And I, and I, I would say that let's, I'll acknowledge myself. I feel like I have made progress, but in this last year, I was definitely shown some opportunities for growth um, in that area of taking things personal. And it is dangerous to, to take things personal because it can create distance between you and your loved ones. Mm. And I will say that the people that I take things the most personal are the people closest to me. So right. my spouse, my siblings, my mom, you know, um, it's almost like I care the most what they think. And so any little, um, you know, comment or maybe they don't say something or maybe they don't reply for a long time. It's easy for me if I'm not careful to read into that something that I was never even meant like that wasn't even the intention. It was just sometimes when you have your own insecurities and, and doubts and things, that's how you see like Instead of rose-tinted glasses, it's like insecurity-tinted glasses. Right, yeah, yeah. And wow. so I would say that's one of the things I've been working on the, uh, in the last year for sure. Wow, awesome. Hey, you know, I needed to hear it because I'm, I'm one of the, like, especially like you said, the people closest to you, like, yo, yeah. So yeah. I, I'm glad you said that. I need to hear that. I can't wait to listen to the playback so I can hear it Awesome. Again. So, yeah. Um, so what, um, what advice would you give to someone who they're at this point where they've tried everything, they've done everything, they've they've uh, they've read all the books and they've they've sought out all the help, but they're still at this point and they're on the verge of quitting and giving up on that thing that you know mm -hmm. that thing that they know that it's from above, but 
for some reason it's not manifesting in the physical realm, what advice would you give them? Um, Cause they're right. They're about to quit. They're about to give up and mm-hmm. they're going to hit this and they're going to listen to Jennifer J and Jennifer, what would you tell them? Okay. So what I would say is to come back to this very present moment, this right now, right here moment and find ways to appreciate and accept your life as it is right now. Um, and I'm not done. I will definitely get to the next steps, but when we're feeling very flustered or deflated or like we're failing or any of those things, a lot of the time we start living in the future, like, Oh, and then I'm going to, like I was like, I'm then I'm going to have to go back to my job and finance and then this, and then I'm going to be miserable and I'm going to die miserable. And I'm going to be a, a failure. I'm like regrets on my deathbed and all this stuff. And it's like, my mind is just jutted out, you know, five, 10, 15, 20, 60 years. And I'm miserable. And I'm, I feel like a failure. I feel like a loser. Oh, why even bother? I'm not getting anywhere. I should just quit and give up and go back to my job now. Um, So if I can let that go, all of these future what ifs and scenarios and all based on what's happening right now, this is the future and it doesn't look great. And if I can just let that go, take a couple of breaths, um, get out of my head. You know, if you can change your seat, if you can get outside into nature, if you can go for a walk, get some fresh air, have a coffee date with a friend or a Skype date that you always feel good afterwards, um, just disrupt that pattern, get out of that. And then when you're ready, um, try to find things to appreciate about your life the way it is. This used to be very hard for me because I thought if I appreciate my life the way it is, if I'm content, oh, I didn't like that word. If I'm content with the way my life is, doesn't that mean then I'm giving up on what I want it to become? And does that mean that I'm settling? And no, when, when you can appreciate what is, It's so much easier for you to attract what you'd like to step into next. Um, So appreciation for things that you often overlook. um, Like, do you have clean running water? There's large parts of the country that don't have clean running water. Do you have fresh air to breathe? Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have at least one person that cares about you? Do you have more clothes in your closet than you actually wear? Do you have more shoes than you actually wear? Do you get to have a nice hot bath just by clicking and turning a tap? You know, people used to have to boil water or go get water out of the well. People who don't have electricity, people, you know, and just, oh my goodness, holy, I need to stop and just take a moment to realize how blessed I am, how many blessings I have things to appreciate that I've been overlooking. And you start to get into from a space of panic and overwhelm and failure and whatever to, Oh, come back to this moment and really open my eyes to all the blessings I have from this place, from this mindset, from this energy, you know, whatever you want to call it, then you can, um, and I wouldn't even rush it. Okay, so depending on how much momentum this person has with failure or it's not working out, I would even just not worry about trying to be successful for give yourself more than just a few minutes to do what I'm saying right now. Like you might need a day, just 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 chill out for a day, just chill out maybe for a week, you know, just chill out and come back to this moment. And then when you're like, okay, you know what? I was really in my head there for a minute, but I've relaxed. 
I got a lot of good things going for me. I got a lot of blessings. You know, there's things that I've been forgetting about that I haven't been appreciating. I haven't been spending much time with my friends or my family. I just need to play. I just need to relax. Maybe there's something creative you haven't done in a while. Get back into that zone. And from that zone, then you can create your next best feeling step from there. And that's all you need to worry about. What is my next best feeling step from there? We, we all have an internal guidance system and it's, it's guiding us with, does this feel good or not feel good? Just like, did you ever play that game, A Ray, where someone hides something in the room and then you have to guess where it is by them saying you're getting hotter, 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 or colder, colder, colder. Yeah, 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 so yeah. we all have this built-in guidance system and that's exactly how it works. Mm-hmm. When you are moving in a soul aligned path or making a soul aligned decision, mm-hmm. um, you feel good about it. You feel inspired. Doesn't mean you don't feel nervous. Doesn't mean you don't feel right. scared or terrified to go outside of your comfort zone or do something for the first time. But there's also the spark of like, Ooh, I want to try that. Ooh, I want to give that go. I want to see what that feels like. I want to experience that. So that's like, yes, yes, yes. Warmer, warmer, warmer. When you feel, ugh, I guess I should do that. That's what this millionaire person does, or this, what that's this other person that I really look up to does. So I guess I should do that. And I guess I should do all the things that that person does, or they, they said I should do in there. And you know, they're more successful than me then. So I should listen to what they're doing. And you start doing all these shoulds. I don't know who coined the phrase, but you start shooting all over yourself. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know who said that, but it wasn't me. And going, (laughs) going down the path of shoulds, it feels like, colder, 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 colder. So sometimes we let our insecurity and our doubt lead the way down the should tunnel down the, Oh, that's what this other successful person does. So I should do that too. And you're not tuning into your inner guidance system. Mm -hmm. Your inner guidance system knows your highest and best path to everything and anything you want to create. All we have to do is tune in one step at a time, one step at a time. And your head is going to be like, what, why are you going to, you know, for me, you know, why are you going to start that podcast? You don't have any sponsors. No one's going to pay you to do that. Why are you going to, that makes no sense. So my head will be like, what? I don't understand, but your head can only really understand things in hindsight. Your soul knows how to lead you forward, but you've got to trust it. And even when your head is like, that doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. What if we fail? What if that doesn't work out? That's not going to be financially successful. Or I don't know how that blah, blah. It's like, you know what? Shut up. And this is my next best feeling step from here. This is the warmer, warmer, warmer. So when you can get back to a place of neutral, which I was describing, you know, a few minutes ago, just get out of your head, get out of the future, get out of the, Oh, woe is me. And Oh God, this isn't working. Get back into neutral, unplug, just take a break, disrupt the whole momentum you had going on that wasn't working out, the panic and the chaos. Mm -hmm. Come back to this present moment. Even better, come back to appreciation and gratitude. And I don't mean the lip service of, oh, yay, I have a car and I have a house and, oh, I'm so lucky. Not the lip service, like actually feel appreciation for all the blessings around. Feel it in your body. And when you start to raise how you feel, it will be easier for you to connect with your next best feeling step from there. And that's all you need to know. Someone once said to me, 
that you can drive from, you know, New York to, I say California, but you can't drive. It's not going to be nighttime all the way, but you know, at night you can drive across the country Mm -hmm. and all you can see is 30 feet ahead of you Mm -hmm. with your headlights. And that's all you need to see to keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. So anyone listening right now, if you're like, I don't see a way and this is my dream, but I don't know how I'm going to get there. And so far what I'm doing is not working. And I think I should just give up. And my spouse thinks I, I, it's a pipe dream and I should give up. And my friends think I'm an idiot or whatever. Um, get rid of all the noise, tune back into yourself. Um, and then all you really need to do is follow your next best feeling step from there. And the last thing that I would say is what's in your heart is meant for you. It's meant for you. And it's never going to leave you no matter how much time it takes. So even if your head is like, you should have had this goal reached in six months, or you should have had this goal reached in one year. That's your head talking. That's not God. That's not your soul. There's no deadlines in what's meant for you and what's right for you. It's just your divine timing and your divine unfolding. So maybe it would serve you like it did for me um, to get rid of the idea that you're going to fail at all and just keep going until, 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 until. Take breaks take rests, give, give your ambition a rest, give your body and your mind a break, go play, go outside, play with your kids, you know, like read books. Uh, I'm roller skating right now. Like just do fun things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just do fun things. Get out of your head. And, and when you feel refreshed, come back to it with fresh eyes. And, um, that, that voice is never going to leave you. So no point in giving up on it because it's never going to give up on you. Right. Wow. Wow, that is so awesome. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for that. So, so ladies and gentlemen, we're we're about to wrap it up, but Jennifer, um, real quick, where can our listeners connect? Because I'm I'm pretty sure they're gonna want to connect with you after this. So where oh, can I love they, that. uh connect with you online? I would say the best place, um, there's two spots. You could check out um what I've got available and and my story and things like that on my website, which is jenniferjade.com. Um, or Instagram, you know, I really love to connect with people in my DMS. I like to share my stories on there, what I'm doing in my life. And then in my link, I've got a bunch of resources, you know, free resources and things like that as well. Um, so my Instagram is at Jennifer Jade underscore success coach. Even if you just put Jennifer Jade and it's J A Y D E I'll pop up and uh, happy to connect with you there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jennifer, Thank you so much for your time and your energy and your wisdom today. Uh, I am encouraged. Um, I've been this whole season. So um, just thank you for keeping me right there. So yeah, um, I appreciate it. Um, ladies and gentlemen, say ready, kid. This is one-on-one with a ready kid. I don't know why I said it backwards, but um, real life, real stories with people. Make sure you go back and listen to all of season two. It's all fire. Share this with your mama, your daddy, your aunties, your uncles, your baby mama, everybody, because everybody needs to hear this joint. Once again, we out. Oh, shout out to Brittany. Shout out to my beautiful wife for being on the intro of this, of this show. And I'll see you guys season three. Stay ready, Ked, and we out.